I saw my problems and I seen the light. We got a loving thing, we've got to treat it right. There ain't no danger, we can go too far. We start believing Are you singing Greece because we we're we in Greece? Greece is the word. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is, well, he's out, but we have a reason for that. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. We also have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is uh, something uh, quite different, not necessarily. It's it's right in line with what we do here. We're talking about movies. But this week, uh, for our you know our bonus midweek episode, we're talking the Trip series. The Trip series of films, the films directed by Michael Winterbottom and starring Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. The most recent effort, the trip to Greece, has arrived on VOD. It is purportedly the fourth and final installment, the final course, uh, the poster uh, says. And so he figured, well, I'm a huge fan of the series. My guest is a big fan as well. So he figured, well, let's go. Let's talk about these. Let's talk about these trip films. Uh, most importantly, the the final trip, the trip to Greece. And joining me to do so, we have from Sunny Sunny. Bleh, from sunny Southern California, is he lost in La Mancha or drifting on an odyssey? It's Adam Gentry. Hello, everybody. How are you? Huh, how are you doing, Adam? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's kind of ironic that we're having a chance to talk about uh, a series of films that's all about going to exotic places and eating great food, considering we're all stuck at home with takeout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's been a challenge, I think, but I think it's the same challenge that we're all dealing with, and... Uh, Man, it's just uh, it, it's been a trip, not to make a pun. But how, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I mean, Abe and I have been finding clever ways to deal with the you know apocalypse and what have you. So we're, we've uh, been getting fun and creative with the various streaming releases that come out each week on Netflix Prime or VOD, and talking about some cool movies there, as well as doing these these special bonuses where it's become a recurring thing now, where we we do shorter episodes on Sunday so we can fit in uh, some fun extra bonus episodes during the week. And this is this is going to be one of them, which I'm excited for because you and you and I have seen all these trips, and there's lots to talk about and get into, and so that's that's what we're going to do. Yeah, it's going to be great. I mean, because I mean, these films are are wonderful, but they are also kind of an acquired taste and not the kind of thing that everybody's going to find funny. And when you find somebody that thinks things are funny that you think are funny, it's it's pretty great for sure. So let's let's lay out what the trip series is for those that are not aware or just like to hear us talk about the trip series. Um, the the <laughs> the premise is you have director Michael Winterbottom. Um, staging, uh, not necessarily a documentary, but you, but you're following along with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Steve Coogan, people probably are more well aware of. Rob Brydon is more famous in Britain, so he's he's a he's a comedic actor. Uh, he he he's he's big over overseas. Um, and the two of them, they've appeared in various films together with um, from other Michael Winterbottom productions, Twenty Four Hour Party People, and Tristram Shandy, among others. And this is an opportunity for them to just kind of be together on these trips to various locations where they go to nice restaurants to experience the meal they're playing exaggerated versions of themselves and like the 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 basic wraparound structure is steve coogan has to go on this thing and write about these these places he visits and he brings rob bryden along because the date that he had planned and for the first film backed out uh, and so he's reluctantly accepted rob bryden who he finds annoying to come along with him <laughs> um 
during these dinner sessions that they have at these various, you know, meal sessions they have at these various various locations, the two of them kind of bicker, had to have discussions and do impressions of various people, including Michael Caine, which has become very popular. There is a kind of a tension between the two, specifically Coogan, because he there's a lot of ego going on here and <laughs> it's about one-upsmanship in a lot of cases as far as how the impressions go who can do it better and what have you but at the end of the day they are friends and as we follow this series which started 10 years ago you kind of see the evolution of their friendship and of them as people as they grow older because it certainly deals a lot about growing growing they're already grown up but like becoming older getting into middle age and dealing with things involving their careers as well as their families adam is that a pretty succinct way of summing up the, the basic premise of this series no i think you got it um i was actually listening to an interview uh today that they did a couple of years ago for british gq because they had gotten comedians of the year and they made the observation that i think steve made the observation that his character is kind of the intellectual of the two, but he's not as smart as he thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rob is his character is smarter than he thinks he is, but he doesn't care. And I thought that was a pretty you know succinct way of putting it. But yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot of prickly stuff going on. There's almost a, a my dinner with Andre kind of vibe, sure, um, and whatnot. Although with a lot more laughs. Yeah, and something to point out too. So this is a these four films are are films they're you know a good 90 to an hour 40 something minutes or so like they're not super long but they are edited down from what happens in on british television the this is a series of of mini series they're seasons they're six episode series um that are then put you know they're then edited together to make for theatrical releases outside of outside of britain uh, which I always find to be interesting, and we'll talk more about that as we go, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, so these exist in longer form to some degree, but what we've seen uh, is just the, not necessarily the highlights. I mean, I guess it is the highlights as far as editing down six episodes into one movie, but you're you're watching ostensibly an edited down version of a, of a fuller experience. Um, Have you seen the, the other versions? Aaron? I haven't, but there, and we'll talk about this, but... I am curious about one of them, like how it would be to watch it longer. But as it stands, I'm like, well, I, I really like watching the trip the way it is. Like it just it works for me. How about you? I, I never you... got into the. No, I never did. Um, I never was a, a Lord of the Rings extended edition person. But <laughs> this kind of extended edition, I think I could go for. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly. I'd be curious, like if it was suddenly available. But as it yeah, stands, they're hard. To, they're hard to find. Yeah, yeah. So with that, I figured. What we what Adam and I what Adam and I can do here is kind of go through the first three films and talk about them briefly and our you know some general thoughts or what have you and then we'll get into the trip to Greece and give a more thorough review and discussion about that film since it's the latest release and what have you. So, with that said, let's let's talk about the first trip. I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the lines of My name's Michael Caine. That is where you are right. so wrong, let's and see, you can look at my live video let's, for proof let's, because let's, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you Michael Caine? Okay. I say, Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s, right? But that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars and the brandy don't let me finish can now be heard. Okay. I've not fucking finished in the back of the voice and the voice okay. now. Well, I've still not finished the voice. Because you're panicking. I've, yeah, because you look like you're about to bloody talk. Let me finish. Right, so. Michael Caine's voice now in the Batman movies and in Harry Brown. I can't go fast because Michael Caine talks very 
very slowly. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 16... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! That's Michael Caine. This one came out in 2010. It was set in the kind of northern England countryside areas. That's where they're traveling to. The locations get more extravagant as or exotic, or however you want to phrase it, as they go along. Uh, but the first one's set in England. And it's it's the most, like, Steve Coogan really feeling out his relationship with Bryden. Like, they seem the most antagonistic towards each other in this one compared to the others. Yes. Um, yes. But we, and it's also the one, I mean, it's the first one, but it is the one that's heavy on the Michael Caine impressions, which became uh, a big factor in how these films play out. But uh, Adam, where, where are you with like the first trip? Oh, I love it. I, I remember um, I used to work uh, with a nonprofit uh, film festival. And I remember one time the, the jury coordinator came in and he said, he said, Adam, I just saw this movie and you got to check it out. It's called The Trip. And I'd heard of it, but I didn't know much about it. And I remember waiting a few months, and I got the DVD from Netflix, and I put it on one night, sat there in the dark by myself and watched it at home. And I was just thinking, this is great, because my family, we, we are a, a sarcastic group of people. And so this line of humor just, just fits right in. But one thing I love, too, is there's so much genuine emotion in these films because they have these fictional arcs to what they're – lives are going you know what they're going through sure you know coogan has a, a in the first film you know he's divorced he's got a girlfriend that he's kind of arguing with like they're not arguing but they're distant they're not really connecting you know he's unhappy and he's kind of being a bit of a jerk to bryden whereas bryden has this very happy family life and when i remember just watching them do those the, the impression battles and i'd never seen anything quite like it and they are just so stunningly gifted at what they do uh-huh. that it was it was something. And what's great is that eventually one of the running gags in the series is that even though Coogan is the one invited to do these reviews, Bryden is the one who ends up writing the, and doing the work. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I can't remember if I just like saw a trailer. I'm like, I have to see that. Or maybe I just saw the clip of Michael Caine online. And I'm like, I need to see the rest of this movie. But I certainly like came to it and was just immediately won over. Uh, I, I am a big fan of 24-Hour Party People and Tristram Shandy, among other Steve Coogan, Michael Winterbottom collaborations. So that certainly helped as far as there's just a movie of these two. And they have, specifically in Tristram Shandy, Rob Ryden and Coogan have, it's like the beginning of that contentious relationship because they are playing the kind of the versions of themselves in those movies so this is just like an expanded version of that yeah um, yeah because it's that one little bit where it's, it's just the two of them yeah um and it's certainly it's blossomed into something that's you know among my favorite you know, i was just I was, I was talking about this in another another program but it's funny how we you know all these movies have been delayed this year 
including like franchises that I'm a big fan of, like the Fast and Furious franchise. It is they delayed their movie that would have come out last week. Yet I'm still able to see the latest entry in one of my favorite ongoing franchises right now, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so, I mean, take that, Marvel, I guess, because the trip won out this year for me. So. Well, uh, no, you're, you're totally right. It's, yeah. Right. It's it's incredible to, to not be able to miss a beat. The one franchise that was able to deliver this year is the Trip series. <laughs> um your, your move, um, b- the Before series, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching a clip the other day of uh, from the first trip, uh-huh. and it, it, it's the bit, um, it's the one where they're they're sitting, it's near towards the end of the film, they're sitting in like an out, it's not, I mean, not outdoor, it's more like a like conservatory kind of greenhouse uh-huh. feel to it, and he gives him the cocktail that he said, it, it, he said it tastes like a, was it a summer, a summer day, but then he says... I think Coogan says it's the it's the consistency of snot, yeah. and then somehow it becomes it's the consistency of Ray Winstone's snot, <laughs> and then Coogan's doing Ray Winstone trying to bully uh, Bryden into drinking the snot, and then Bryden is freaking out and acting like he's really sad and doesn't want to. Anyway, because he finishes the drink, they're going on and on about the snot. The waiter comes up behind Bryden. Coogan sees him, but Bryden does it. But the moment Brian sees it, he turns on a dot. Oh, it's really lovely. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> and to the timing is just perfection. There's there's just a lot of great bits. And yeah, I, if I haven't made it clear already, I am a big fan of the first film. I think it does a great job of like establishing these versions of their the guys' personalities and being consistently funny, yet having this you know, something that will carry through the rest of the film that we'll talk about, this kind of melancholy undercurrent of things as far as who these guys are, what they're trying to do. And I, and I believe in the first film, Bryden, like, just had a child, right? Like, his his baby's a newborn? Is that... Yeah, yes. Because yeah. he, he's, when they say goodbye, he's, he kisses the baby, mm-hmm. and then they get in the car, yeah. Yeah, so, like, he's, like, just become a father, so he's, he's, like he's developing more as a man where like Steve Coogan, he's like already divorced. Right. And he's da- he's cause he's dating a food critic, I believe, or like someone that loves food. And, that, and that's and, like Misha. Her name yeah. is Misha. And he, so he expected her to come on the trip with him to help him with all the food and stuff. And then she doesn't, but he also has a son and he's dealing with like, you know, his, like his level of success as far as a, an actor goes or whatnot. So like there, it establishes who they are and you kind of get a reflection of what they're dealing with and like how they're coping with what position in life they're in. So it it go and especially because it's set in like the the English countryside, it has a gray look to it, right? Like natural, like a naturally oh, it's very gray look. dour. It's a yeah. very kind of bleak look. Yeah, despite being a consistently very funny movie, <laughs> like it has its it has that charm. So it it's fun. It's it, it's fun in the way it balances through that. But, and I think um, that they were saying they, that each film has a, a literary connection. And yeah. the first film, I believe, is Byron and Shelley. Yes. It's kind of based on, on them. And, and really, I mean, to anybody who's not seen these films, what I would to- definitely recommend is there's a, a scene, uh, one of the more famous scenes you can find on YouTube pretty easily. If you just type in the trip, gentlemen to bed. Yeah. If you if you like <laughs> that scene, you're going to enjoy these movies. If that doesn't do anything for you, don't bother. And they always say something like, gentlemen to bed, gentlemen to bed, for we leave it first light. Tomorrow we battle. And we may lose our lives. But remember, death is but a moment. Cowardice is a lifetime of affliction. Nice. To bed, for we rise at daybreak. Very good. Very, very impressive. They always, rise, always leave at daybreak. No, they never leave at, um, you know, 9.30. <laughs> Gentlemen, to bed, for we leave at 9.30. Ish. Ish. 
gentlemen to bed for we rise at what time is the battle <laughs> about oh, 12 o'clock yes right 12 o'clock that was about on horseback about three hours from something <laughs> so we leave about 8 8.30 for 9 yes gentlemen to bed for we leave at 8.30 for 9 <laughs> and we rise at just after day 7.30 so just after daybreak Gentlemen to bed, for we leave at 9.30 on the dot. On the dot. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to the trip to Italy. Uh, this film arrived uh, in 2014. So it t- took a few years uh, before we got the, 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 the follow-up. Um, but it was certainly welcome. Uh, obviously, they go to Italy in this film. Uh, and you we once again have Coogan and Bryden. Uh, they're doing their thing. There's a the the kind of the through line with some of these is that Coogan wants to kind of like you mentioned with the Byron thing they want to kind of he specifically wants to put up this idea of following in the footsteps of of great poets or philosophers or authors or what have you from the past as far as creating a sort of through line that can express his kind of pseudo intellectualism that he likes to bring out especially in the form of showing off to Bryden as best he can yeah uh, and I'll start with this one I I really like the trip to Italy a lot and I know. It see it feels like this one sometimes splits people as far as how, mainly because of how big Bryden seems to want to play it. Like he seems to really want to try to get. It seems like he gets on people's nerves in this film more than the other ones. I I can see that I suppose, but I've always just really liked this film. It's like I'm I'm pressed to say that this is my favorite one of the series because uh, I think it it does well to maintain that kind of humorous all the humor that the first one had it brings in the impressions again the michael Caine thing i think is still funny but it also has this like it has it presents some new challenges for the 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 characters for say the characters that they're playing each other but but it has new challenges for them in its own way and it finds a real strength in the ending that i've always really admired but adam adam what do you think of the trip to italy uh you know what you took the words right on my mouth this is my favorite entry in the series easily Easily. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to see it at Sundance uh, that year with Mr. Coogan and Mr. Bryden in attendance. Um, so that was a that was a trip. Sorry, pun intended. <laughs> um, but I remember hearing the film was coming out and it was just the most unexpected sequel that I could think of because I, I had no concept that they would continue. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the film and I absolutely loved it. I think you're hitting it right on the head. I think one of the things about the first trip is that in the first trip, I think Coogan has the upper hand throughout and he's kind of snotty all the time and he's kind of just dominating the relationship between the two and then i think in italy the tables turn and bryden just takes this more dominant role you don't see coogan being as snotty towards him a lot of times coogan cracks up laughing genuinely at yeah. something bright which he in the first one he would have never done that we should we should emphasize the fact that these are improvised movies there's no writer on these like beyond like the basic sketching out of what the what the where they're going they're, the, the the dialogue they have with each other is all just on the spot. Like they're doing it on the spot. Yeah, they kind of flesh out. I think I think as they go, they kind of just dis- discover. Yeah, it's like it's like it, it's all it like um, like Curb Your Enthusiasm, where it's the the actors are improvising constantly, but there is like a through line as far as the narrative that they write out. Like, and that's what these movies are are doing. And I think in the first one, you know, Coogan is the philanderer, and Rob is kind of the straight man. But then uh-huh. in this one, Rob he makes some fascinating choices that you don't get the sense that he would have done in the first film. Mm-hmm. And that was always fascinating for me. And I think too, you were talking about the new challenges, you know, it's, I think this is the one where you see the most complete arc 
particularly for the Coogan character, because, you know, he's trying, he wants to connect with his son. He's trying to connect with his son. He's not really been there. He's trying to be a better person. You know, he, you see him much more restrained. He laughs a lot more. He just seems like he's in a better place. And I think the music in the film particularly reminds me a lot of the music in uh, Godard's uh, Contempt. Yeah. With these big sweeping symphonic motifs that come in and out. And when you mentioned the ending, oh, my gosh, that, the, the, the ending of the trip to Italy is one of my favorite endings of the last 20 years. I think it's fantastic. And I, I think that comes from Winterbottom having more, I don't know if it's confidence or just more like understanding that he he can let the guys do what they do and he can play around with like what kind of references and cinematic qualities he wants to apply to these films. Where I think the trip is, it's not flat, but it's not necessarily going for something beyond having, I guess, some dream sequences with Coogan, which recur through this series. This one, like you mentioned Godard, um, uh, Fellini comes to mind, even like... Um, the assistant uh, who pops up throughout the series. Oh yes, I love her. Um, she like she even like references Roman Holiday quite a bit and does an Audrey Hepburn impression. Um, oh yeah, at the at the end. <laughs> yeah, at at the end, and um, it, it certainly feels like there's there's more scope to this film beyond just the location, but in the kind of cinematic language and homage that it's trying to pull out of what's ostensibly a, a silly farce about two British guys having fun with and each other. And it's so beautifully photographed. Yes. I mean, this yeah. that film looks gorgeous. And what's great, too, I think this one was based on Wordsworth. And I'm not sure how. I don't know if Wordsworth did a, a trip through Italy or, or some kind of tour or whatnot. So that's what I've, I've read, but I'm not sure precisely how it worked. But it, it's just such a fascinating thing because they, they'll go to, you know, Pompeii. And then they, they have this great dialogue about how they wanted to go to Sicily because of the Godfather. But then they had to cut it short. And that leads to these Godfather impressions. And Yep. And and uh, Bryden does this great bit where he goes through Pacino's younger voice all the way up to hoo mm -hmm. <laughs> It's great. And also, and it this is the one where it brings back the Michael Caine, which leads to the Christian Bale and the Tom Hardy impressions, <laughs> which are great too. Did you see him in The Dark Knight Rises? And his voice gets even more emotional than it's ever done in the past before. I don't want to bury you, Batman. I will not. Put you in the ground in a little box. I will not do it, Master Bruce. I will not do it. I'm not going to bury another Batman. Another Batman? How many Batmans has he been burying? How many are there? I've buried 14 Batmans I've buried so far. 14 Batman. And a little pointy ears I'm in a box. I'm not going to bury another nylon cloak with pointy ears that people wear at birthday parties. With a little belt, a very wide belt that very is flattering belt. to a man with an expanded girth. The... I won't do that to I you, Master Bruce. You, I will Master. not do it to you. And I won't. Make the voice like that. The voice goes even higher. He's basically yodeling. And what about Tom Hardy as Bane? Did you catch well, his like, He's like they like they're like competing to see yeah. who's the most, the, the least understandable. Bane, you're never gonna beat me. You're never gonna beat me. Take off your mask, love. I can't catch a word you're saying. He's a wonderful actor, don't get me wrong. No, he's very Tom Hardy's no, very, he's, very muscular, he's, so he's terrific actor. I know, actor. no, he's a bit he's, terrific he's good. Actor. He's scary good. Yeah. Scarily yeah, yeah. good. I love it because they they, they 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 pick on Christian Bale and and for the way he's hard to understand, etc. And they pick on 
Tom Hardy about how he's hard to understand, but you also get the sense that they're slightly scared of Tom Hardy. Yes. So yeah. they're like, oh, no, he's great. Oh, wonderful. Actor. I, would, I wouldn't say wonderful. that to his face. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about these movies, too, is the way that you mentioned the assistant. Um, Coogan's assistant and his uh, and, and, and a photographer that show up in the first film, because the photographer is supposed to take their picture, and then his assistant meets them at a particular stop. And what's great is throughout all of these films, those same two characters always meet up with them at some point on the stop. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's, it's great. I love seeing them. It's a fun through line to have like other characters that exist in this world. Like it, it helps f- flesh out the, the idea and sell the concept more. And as well as just let like beyond just having Coogan and Brighton reacting to each other, have other people see them in action, doing these impressions constantly or like trying to get the, get at the other person um but but as you're saying also when coogan breaks it's always like satisfying like (laughs) because it's partially because he's laughing because he's just actually laughing but also it's because his like character of himself is allowing himself to have fun which is such a like there's a relief that comes with that right where bryden is he's doing especially with them because like bryden's having fun regardless it seems even if he's asking some things but coogan is the one where yes he is more prickly and so the the idea that he lets himself go because this guy who he's, you know, a foil to or as well as like a friend kind of, but really he actually is like the fact that he lets himself just like have fun with Bryden. That's just so satisfying to see when it happens. No, when when he breaks, it's fantastic. And do do you remember the the CD? There's I think there's only one CD in the Mini Cooper. Yeah, it's the Alanis Morissette. Yes, uh, sir. Jagged little pill. <laughs> <laughs> And then they get into this debate about how you pronounce it and Alanis or Alanis. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, no, there's probably some real estate agent in Santa Monica named Alon who wants to sell you property by the beach. And it's just, they riff, oh, man. It's uh, no, it's a gorgeous movie to, to look at. And uh, when you get to the end, it really, I think emotionally, it's the most satisfying of the, of the four films. So let's get to The Trip to Spain. Uh, this came out in 2017. Um, it once again follows Steve and Rob as they go through Spain. This time they're trying to... There, there's a lot of um, Don Quixote references going on here um, for, for 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 Steve especially um, as they try to kind of <laughs> create a trip that goes to uh, uh, La Mancha, of course, but uh, they're going through what the Can- Can- Cantabria area and the... the, the all these Castile. Um, so yeah, they're, they're going through Spain doing these things. It's the same basic format. Uh, this one, Coogan is, seems like very relaxed in this film, which was kind of neat to see, like as far, if, at least when it starts, like, as you mentioned, like it kind of goes back and forth between Bryden and Coogan being like invited to do this thing. And then Bryden's doing the work this time, as I recall, cause I haven't, I've seen it the once, but as I recall, like Coogan feels like he's, like there's there's less of a setup to get them to this point uh, compared to yeah. the other two films, um, which is like it's neat. Like there, there's a re- what I'm saying is there's a relaxness uh, to like the the bringing of them to the this location this time around and like seeing where they go from there. Um, yeah, oh, they both yeah. know their roles um, uh-huh. in this one. It's not it's like it's not Bryden doesn't resent that he's gonna do the work and write because they know that he's only going on the trip because Coogan's making it possible. Um, the trip to Spain is actually my least favorite of the series. It, as I recall, it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's fine. Uh, it's just the. I think this is the one where because with the trip to Italy, like I said, it was the most unexpected sequel 
I wasn't expecting it at all. A trip to Spain, oh, wow, I had no idea. But this is where, I don't know if it's accurate to say the scenes start to show so much as, oh, you get to re- you get the idea, okay, this is a format, this is a thing, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it felt less organic to me. That said, it's still fun. I don't dislike it. I just don't find it particularly memorable. I um I look forward to watching it again. That said, I do like it more than you, as I recall. Okay. I, remember, I remember we had this discussion, too, when it initially came out, where I was more impressed, I feel, than you were. And part of it is because I do like where it ends up. I, I know there is... And I... We'll get to the next one, but I, I, I do like what this one's like. It's trying to do as far as challenging Coogan on the kind of positions he likes to speak up for. Uh, versus what actually happens that said there is a kind of ambiguity to how things play out which i know can rub some the wrong way um regardless as i recall this movie's still very funny like it has that chemistry it has the it has them doing their bits and it we haven't talked about the 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 the, the food and vacation aspect of it but yes it's continually (laughs) it looks great but also the food continues to look amazing throughout this series but yeah i mean there's so many like things I want to eat constantly because I'm seeing them be prepared and brought to these guys and sitting here <laughs> thinking, this looks amazing. I'm, I, and here I am with pretty much nothing because I don't eat popcorn in movie theaters. <laughs> so I'm like, why, what's going on? This is, this, this, the film looks delectable. And I, this has like the least Michael Caine, but it brings up the, it brings in Roger Moore a lot in this film, which there's one sequence that, that it's like him and talking with, with Scaramanga with about like <laughs> about oysters. And it, there's just, it's a whole, there's among many hilarious bits. It's, it's another. Please go first. No, 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 please. You go first. Well, before I do Scaramanga, why don't I turn them that way? In which case, should you have interfered uh, with my scallop? My country, it is always traditional that the nearest scallop is served to the guest. Where I come from, it is accustomed to proffer the larger scallop to the guest. I really like, uh, there's a <clears throat> there's a bit, what, what was the, Oh, Mick Jagger. They, they oh, start, the Mick Jagger thing, yeah. Uh, they start with the Mick Jagger, and then Rob uh, Brydon does his Barry Gibb. And Rob Brydon's Barry Gibb is killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Have I met him? I have. I was at a party. Yeah. I was leaving. Yeah. And I heard from the uh, balcony. Yeah. Rob, Rob. 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 Hey, hey Rob. Rob. I look, well, he didn't, do, he didn't do the full, but no. and I looked up, and he went, don't throw those bloody spears at me. I said, what? He was, don't throw those bloody spears at me. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. He was doing Michael Caine. I know, I know. What you find is that he speaks like, sometimes it's sort of, it's sort of like that, sort of, but it's actually quite posh. And sometimes he's quite sort of, uh, you can see that it's quite actually, you've got that sort of public school thing going on, you know, and you know, you've got something deep like that. But, um, but uh, and, uh, and, you know, you've got the old sort of, um, the sort of peacock thing, you know. Sorry. 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 He went, don't throw those bloody spears at me. And I went, oh, it might have been. So I looked up at him and I said, I've told you before, if you're not going to sing, I don't want to bloody know. Now get back in the other room. And he went, ah. And off he went. He loved it. But had I had uh, a close conversation with him, I would have said, what are you doing having a child at 72? Yeah, Anna was a big fan of the of the Mick Jagger stuff, especially with the little the claps. <laughs> well, it's great too because one of the things that I think these two guys do so well is that they they understand how a voice 
changes over the course of a person's life and the, the voice isn't the same, it's going to have some changes and whatnot. And they do it. I mean, obviously, Michael Caine is the easy one. But when I say easy one, I mean the easy example, not that what they're doing is easy by any stretch. Mm-hmm. But they really get it right from the higher, the, the higher, more troubling nasal voice of his youth all the way down to what they call the broken voice where in the Batman movies where he gets very emotional. And it, it's, it's always a treat when you hear them do that. But, I mean, they do that also with the Bear Gib where they, you hear him do a younger Gib and an older – it's just – it's fascinating to hear the way – to hear something the way that they hear it. Because they're noticing these subtleties and these differences that we might notice, but would have no way of articulating. This has the Bowie impressions too, which are oh. especially um, well. They're both good, but like Rob Brydon, like he has, he does some great work with <laughs> the stuff. It's. I, I, I need to watch this one again. I, I definitely do. I mean, the good thing is they they don't get worse by watching them over again. Like they're just so oh, absolutely funny. not. And, um, and that's the thing. Like you're like you're saying. You know, all these movies are good. You know, at, at the end of the day, it's not like you're going to put one on and go, okay, this one stinks. But yeah, no, it, and it, I mean, as much as I said, like, Coogan has a, he's, he seems fairly relaxed in this film. Like, it it still picks up on the kind of where things are in their lives and their careers and what have you. I think in, in Italy, it's like he's coming off of, like, Philomena giving him an Oscar nomination. And so he's, like, <laughs> on a bit of a, on a bit of a high horse in that movie. And that's, like, still shining through here and it's going to come up again especially in the trip to greece but it's it's still shining through through here and there's a great bit where um or is it in italy again but it's it's there's like a talk show guy that's like famous in britain where rob Ryan's oh. like doing that and he, he he's parkinson. like it's, it's, parkinson, uh, parkinson yeah parkinson and he's like he's like assessing coogan as well as talking about michael buble it's a whole <laughs> funny bit that's fantastic really really nice you know what make this perfect now michael buble bit of buble. Do you like buble? Where do you stand on Michael Buble? His windpipe? You don't mean that. <laughs> Parkinson loves him. Yeah. I wouldn't call him the benchmark. I'd Sasha Baron Cohen would be another one, I suppose. I mean, yeah. Sasha, heard him on the show. He, yeah. He's a strange yeah. man, a yes. curious man. He is a little, yeah. Do, do, do you watch him and do, do you take inspiration from Sasha, Sasha Baron Cohen? I think we all take inspiration from each other when you're at a certain level. I suppose the benchmark is Gervais. I mean, The yeah. Office, yeah. In extras, yeah. uh, Life is Short. I mean, well, all of these people. Yeah. Well, Life is Short, maybe some people didn't think was so good, but that's that's by the by. I mean, but it was really the first man to put a dwarf <clears> on mainstream television. I mean, it was um, quite an achievement, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, well, if you look at it that way, but you know, it, it, I love Simon Pegg. I mean, I watch him in the uh, in the Star yeah. Trek films. You yeah, know, or, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen them, but um, I'm told they're very good. And, and as I say, I'm delighted. I mean, imagine, success, when you work delighted. with Tom Cruise as he does in Mission Impossible. Yeah, yes. I mean, imagine working with Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, I have worked with Tom Cruise. I worked on uh, Tropic Thunder. Yes, uh, you, you died in the first ten minutes, Steve. Yeah, yes, yes, you died, died in the first ten minutes. Died in the first ten minutes. I felt you died in the first five minutes. In all honesty, but that's just my view. We'll come back to Steve. Here's Michael Bublé on a new record. Did you hear? Did you know that uh, apparently um, the bit where Bryden says, "Where do you stand on Michael Bublé?" and Coogan said, "His windpipe." <laughs> well, originally uh, um, that that Bryden came up with that line and he fed it to to Coogan. He said, "Look, this is what I'm thinking of, 
but he knew that it would be a lot funnier coming from Coogan than it would be if he said it, because mm-hmm. it just it wouldn't mean the same thing. Yeah, that's but <laughs> element of, uh, an element of of collaboration. The one thing that's really interesting about Trip to Spain though is the ending. Yeah, um, it has the the strangest ending of the entire series, and I I want to say that it's influenced by an Antonioni film. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I is it is it Passenger? maybe that makes the most that makes sense to me i haven't really thought about it too hard as far as what it's going for exactly but no i, I can see antonioni as far as just like style um, you get to the end and you yeah. just you like I, how, how the hell did we get here and where are we but it doesn't it doesn't not set it up like there's a, without going too far into it there's essentially steve has spoken for the perception of people and where where that can lead to versus like the politics of the day and then he finds yeah. himself in a situation where he's alone and something bad could happen or something good could happen there's no reason to assume either way but he's at a position where he's being challenged with his own like philosophy as far as how yeah. to people and it ju- and it just abruptly exits there um, I do think the film sets that up I don't I think it yes it's a unconventional ending for sure and certainly one for again a frivolous comedy about people traveling together but i mean <laughs> but it, it does give like a layer of dimension as far as seeing if this guy can really walk the walk as much as he's talked the talk no that's that's fair that's that's one thing i i think that winterbottom really brings to the series is even though coogan and bryden are writing these kind of on the fly you know he's going for you know he's going for something bigger you know cinematically he's not just content to just shoot these in a room with two people talking sure he's trying to expand the visual language and he's trying to do different things and he's trying to make a statement about these people and how their lives are changing over time and i think it really works really works over the course of the series so let's um let's move on now let's get to the trip to greece the newest release it arrived literally on vod two weeks ago now so it's available. I mean, they're all available, but this one's like rightfully available right away. You can you can rent it um, and watch it. Um, this once again picks up with Rob and Steve going to Greece this time. This time, there's not even a set. It's not even like a phone call made to be like, Rob, guess what? You want to do this thing again? It starts with them already in Turkey. Like they're already on. <laughs> they're already on the trip. They're on. They're in Turkey. This time, they're trying to retrace the steps of Odysseus and his journey from uh, Troy back to Ithaca. And so it, it starts where Troy would have been, which is what, like which is modern Turkey, I guess. And then that, that leads them to Greece, where there's a constant like talk of Odysseus and his travels. And you have once again, you have Coogan uh, kind of putting up the, the the visage of being one that, you know, knows all about the Odyssey and uh, is big on the classics and has everything he can to say about things. And Brighton is going along, which is like. I'll just sing about. It. I'll just sing the song Greece from Greece to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, this one's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, the bit that you're talking about with Troy at the beginning is great because <laughs> they're standing and looking at these ruins, and they have this back and forth about how you know these people camped here for ten years. And, and then Bryden, I think he says something like, well, yes, I could maybe do a week tops with a pillow. I won't camp without a pillow. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, and you, you say that, and yes, that bit's funny. It also, like, it has Coogan in a Trojan horse at one point, which is like, yes. it's, a, it's a sneaky way of, like, saying there's going to be more going on here than just, like, the fun, which there is. Like, in addition to the fun, and it, it is consistently humorous, this entry, it 
it lets uh it brings coogan's like life heavily back into it and i can see that being seen as not necessarily contrived but certainly something that's being forced into the proceedings going on here at the same time i there there does like it it wraps things around as far as giving some dramatic heft to what's taking place and as a as a running through line while it may not be like the single thing I'll spotlight as being the best element of the film, it is sure. there in a way where I can appreciate that the film is being what it's always been, which is having fun with these guys trying to make each other laugh or what have you, while also spelling out that things change as you grow older and what kind of effects you have to look into when it when when it when it comes down to that. So it, it so yes, I I also really like this film as well. I think it's I think this whole series has been rather consistent. Like even if I like one yeah. over another, it's not like you know it's splitting hairs to some degree. Yes. Um, and once again, I think Winterbottom knows what he's doing. I, I don't think this series ever runs out of gas. I think it's perfectly adept at nailing the things that work about having these two guys playing these versions of themselves and following up on where we've seen them through three other movies leading up to this one. It's it, one of the things that I that I I really love about about this one um, in a weird way, because when I, w I'm not saying this very well, when I started watching the film, I will say that I did have some trouble with the sound uh, over the course of certain moments. And, and this is possibly because of the setup at home. You know, I wasn't hearing this with the, you know, perfect you know, theater sound equipment and whatnot. So it's certainly possible that it might've been my setup, but there were times when I found there, they're the dialogue hard to understand. Um, there are some phone calls that Steve Coogan gets um, repeatedly about a family member. Someone's calling him to give him updates about something. And I had a really hard time. On, it wasn't until the third phone call that I understood who they were talking about. And that was tricky because I, I've been watching these movies for years. Usually can, you know, understand them. No problem. But there were, there, that happened, and there was also another time or two where the the music was just so loud in the mix that it was overpowering the dialogue. Hmm. And I don't know if that was an intentional choice or if that was something that was just my my sound system. Um, but I found that was a little tricky because I, I feel like if I had been able to pick up on particularly the phone the phone conversations, what was at stake, it would have started to connect with me more earlier. Um, but that said, where this film ends up is is such a tribute to the Odyssey. And I and ironically, I, I'm a big I'm a big Homer guy. Um, as a kid, I actually read the Iliad and the Odyssey when I was seven. And I don't know how much of them I truly understood or comprehended, <laughs> but I read them. Um, and I think that the Odysseus parallel with where you get to at the end of the film, particularly with a hug. There's this one hug that these two characters share that I just thought was incredibly meaningful. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm bringing some of my own baggage to that and imagining things about my own life. But it was just seeing that and then later realizing how that was reflecting Odysseus' Odysseus's return to Ithaca at the end of the, of the Odyssey. It's just really meaningful. If you, think, if you think about Heracles, he was someone Heracles? Who... Don't you mean Hercules? Uh, if you're if you're using the Roman name, then yes, that I would only be know him from the film. Okay, well, 
Heracles uh, is the Greek name for him. He murdered his wife and children. And the labors, played him the labors, in the movie. Okay, the labors of Hercules, if you like. Hercules in yes, New York. Was, if you... One of Christ the first movies. Thank you. From a Christian perspective, is basically him serving his penance. Can't even imagine Christianity yeah, forgiving I... a man for murdering his wife and children. Well, you're Go quite right, too. But, well, yes, Mr. But, but, Coogan, you're suggesting that, that the man standing before us no, today but, no, but this who is, murdered no, no, his no, wife no, and children no, should, no, be, you, should be no, forgiven? Hercules Arnold played him in Hercules in New York. Hercules in New York. It was one of my first films. One of my first... You sound a bit like... Uh, Werner Herzog there. That's right, that's what I was doing, films. I was doing Werner. I was one of my first films. It was very hard to do. I had to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do it for me. My name is Giorgio. Everybody calls me George. I, uh, I very much agree with what you're saying here. I, I do think it there's a level of introspection that really plays well into how everything kind of works itself out. And it's not that there's like grandiose arcs necessarily for these characters. They're just, at the end of the day, people. And there's an authenticity there that I think really rings the truth through all of these. Like, despite going on these elaborate trips and having these big meals and being people of certain importance or what have you, at the end of the day, they're still just two guys that are doing this thing and going through life's troubles and squabbles and humorous interludes and what have you. And this, that's a that's a way for this film to function as being one that accomplishes what it needs to, gives you some sense of finality, does have the kind of references it's going after, but also doesn't make a big show of it, right? Like, it's not it, it, it not unlike, I don't know, like, boyhood. It's not about having giant events that need to, like, yes. pave the way for what, what, what it all meant or anything like that. Sometimes you don't, you know, you don't... The major events that happen don't necessarily become the most memorable. It's the kind of little moments in between that stick around, and that's a lot of what these movies are. It's less about how Coogan is dealing with this specific thing because of the event he had to go through to do it or whatnot. It's about what are those conversations getting him there or getting him out of there or leading up to it. And that that's a lot of what this movie is. It's these interactions and what have you. And this one does go for more Bergman, I would say, as far as the kind of the, the black and white dream sequences yeah, that Coogan has. Point. Like it, it's, it's and especially because of the nature of death playing a role in this film. Um, and like the, those are fine. Like it, you know, the, it's it's it is a comedy. Um, that's in Berkman films can be quite funny, but I mean the <laughs> the um, the kind of the 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 little intersections there of like in between comedy bits and what have you. You have Coogan having dreams occasionally, and it's like okay, like that stuff is there. And Winterbottom clearly has an idea of what he wants his character to go through, um, but it still all you know works out. It still works out together, it's making a you know another fun lark for the most part that has a lot of humor in it while still tracing who these guys are. This one, you have Coogan dealing with the fact that he had a BAFTA nomination for Stan and Ollie. For, uh, a dramatic BAFTA nomination. A dramatic yes. BAFTA nomination. So it's, play, it's playing off of Steve's ego as far as being taken seriously as a dramatic actor and finding ways for Bryden to really get at him over that, which is always funny. Well, you know, I can't pick on the dream sequences too much because of if, if the dreams I've been having in quarantine and uh, shelter in place or any indication. I, I can't throw stones. Um, <laughs> but what I think is interesting about what you're saying, because you're talking about how these are all, they're not quite slice of life films, but you're saying that the, the arcs of these characters, these aren't world leaders or people in heroic situations. These are just average guys. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of something that is related in one of the earlier films where I think it's trip to Italy, and it's the bit where they're 
all four at a table, the assistant, the photographer, and then Steve and Rob. And Rob is picking on Steve and saying, you know, Steve will always say, I like simple food with simple ingredients, <laughs> simply done. And I think in a way, that's almost a metaphor for the series. You know, it's just these two guys and where they are, where they are in their lives. And it doesn't try to make a grand statement so much as it just tries to make a human one. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair for sure. What else? <laughs> this is a great if, – if you are on the fence about buying a 4K television, these films look amazing on a 4K television. <laughs> I, I'm sure. And, I mean, you know, these are just simple comedies, more or less, that were designed for TV originally. So, but, I mean... <laughs> but, but the scenery is just gorgeous. Um, uh-huh. It looks it looks stellar. One of my favorite bits in Trip to Greece, um, and I think there's a little bit of it in the trailer – is they end up having a race, uh, yep, yep, a, a yep. swim race, and it's it ends up being shot from above. And it's funny because you know Coogan is the got all the bravado, and I could do this and I could do that. But when you watch his form, is just abysmal. <laughs> I mean, he looks terrible. And then there's there's Bryden who hasn't been talking smack, hasn't been doing this, and he's just gliding through the water with his little cap on. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I think I think our favorite line was um, at one point Coogan does a whole bit and then Bryden wants to do it better. But as he starts to do it, Coogan's needling him and Bryden says, you know, wait a minute. Did I talk over you? And then he said, listen, let's have a sponsored silence for charity. okay?" (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was one of that's definitely a keeper. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to watching all these now, just because we're talking about it so much. But I, I am looking forward to kind of watching Spain again, and then watching this one again too, just because there's so much going on here that's that's fun and just specific about what they're trying to do and how they're getting, how they're needling each other and how they're going about like finding the voice. Like, and some of their impressions are like, I'm doing this for the first time, and it's need to see them like figure it out like figure yes. out how to do the best version of it just 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 to right? make the other laugh too the the falsetto yeah the bit. falsetto you know there's the whole like coogan doing um doing godzilla and then doing dubbed actor badly yes. <laughs> like, those are great those are great bits. but then he has an argument with bryden about the efficacy of doing that versus small man in a box because uh-huh. small man in a box would never have any value unless you were you know speaking from your own coffin and the, the, whereas the dub badly makes sense. And I was like, okay, brother, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest laugh moments for us was um, early in the film. Uh, and I was watching it with a couple, couple people. One of whom is a big trip fan and one of whom is not. Uh, but the one that got the, the moment that got the, uh, the not so fan uh, occurs early on. They're having a call. The, the, the assistant calls while they're, sitting at their first meal and Coogan does that really annoying thing where he puts it on speaker and puts it on the table at the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And so then they start talking, but then they start to bicker mm-hmm. and the line is still active. And finally it just cuts back to the office and the assistant's just sitting there waiting for them to shut up. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a great moment. Yeah. It, it, it really emphasizes like how far they've come where you can just kind of expect that. But also there's a, there's it's less of a begrudging respect and more of a just we're like 
while they're you know obviously just their own people they're just like an old married couple like that's like the kind of like well, yeah i think with, with spain and greece there's really not so much of an antagonism there yeah, between the for two sure. yeah in trip to in, in the trip mostly trip to italy some too but in the the last one the last two rather it, it's really just a partnership and it's not about one person dominating at the other person's expense mm-hmm. in any kind of real way because in the first one first two you kind of get the sense okay this is a little bit personal for these characters whereas with this the last couple they really just kind of are out to have a good time and it's it's kind of neat in a way to see a film or films in this case that aren't the the two main character the two the two characters aren't in some big antagonistic relationship they're just having fun needling each other like you do with your friends and it just feels really satisfying yeah, there's no need to like make it a contentious relationship. You can just have them hanging out essentially, and and having personal issues they're dealing with, they're having areas concerning their fame or what have you that they can like poke fun at each other over or discuss. Uh, and keep in mind, in the trip universe, Rob Brydon has starred in a what a Martin Scorsese movie, <laughs> like, uh, Michael Mann, Michael Mann, a Michael Mann movie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a great woman in the, it's in the trailer for a trip to greece but uh bryden says to coogan so what are you what um what are you most proud of and he goes my my seven baftas and and bryden goes yeah i would have said my children and coogan says well yeah but you don't have any baftas and bryden says yeah but you have children <laughs> <laughs> And that's oh. like that's such a running line as far as how much success Coogan is. Like the first one is the worst as far as Bryden putting him in this like scenario where it's like you could what if you could have a BAFTA but one of your kids would have to get sick, <laughs> and he raises the stakes like what about Oscar, best actor Steve Coogan. And one of your kids like gets appendicitis. <laughs> Doesn't he bargain with him a little bit about like, he does. how, be, how oh, bad the disease would be? Oh yeah, he keeps going and Coog, yeah, Coog is like, well yeah, how does he? He gets better though, right? And it's just like, and there's this like realization where it's like, I agreed to this. <laughs> he he understands how <laughs> shallow he can be in a given moment. Uh, but yeah, no, it it runs throughout this and it's always like entertaining just to see how far they can kind of build you know build it up or take each other down, yet still, like, be, like, fun with it. Like, it's not about malice. Like, it's just so, it's just so entertaining. Yeah, it, it, you know, you're, you're right. And just seeing them in a car driving is just, it's it's just wonderful. There's that great moment in Spain. I know I said it was my least favorite, and now I keep referring to these cool moments from it. Uh, but there's this great moment in Spain where they end up, I think they, they only get one hotel room instead of two. And then I, I, I can't remember if there's only one bed or not. And like, yeah, well, we can be grownups. And then <laughs> Brian says something like, what are you afraid of? And Coogan says, well, you might touch my bottom. And then Brian says, boy, if romance should occur, we'll deal with it as it happens. And it's just, and the way Brian can sell a line like that, there's not a lot of people that can just deliver it in such a way where it's it's not, going for the obvious laugh but it's if you're paying attention and you you can understand english it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah so i think we've talked about these films pretty uh sufficiently here as far as all the, <laughs> all the good times that can be had um this is the fourth and final trip would you expect there to ever be another one i, I don't know um would you welcome another one well it's one of those things where the obvious comparison is richard Linklater. uh 
and Julie Dopey and Ethan Hawke's before series. And they've said they don't really think that there's going to be another one of those. And if there is, it's going to be a big departure. So it's one of those things where I think they're good. I don't think they need to make another one. Mm -hmm. But if they thought they had the material for another one, I would tend to trust them that they knew what they were doing. Um, But at the end of the day, I think with both series, I think they're at a good point. And I don't really think there's a need for more unless the creators think that that uh, there is what, what what do you think i agree with you I, I it's not that i'm worn out by them but i do think that there's a kind of a nice balance of what's happened where it's gone and how it's evolved and we've reached a point where we can move on knowing where these characters are and being comfortable with them being at that place in their lives because i do think there's a you could see like how rounded out their lives have become in this final one um, that, you know, makes me, I guess, I'm not concerned that they're going to be all right. I'm happy knowing every, you know, things are going to be how they are. And I'm comfortable with that. If I speak on like a kind of how I see these versions of these characters and what's going on with them. No, I think that's, that's, that's definitely, it's definitely fair. I'm curious, Aaron, what, if you had to rank them, uh, from most favorite to least favorite, not to say that either of us dislikes any of these movies. I'm just curious to know what your ranking might be. I, I still want, and I have an answer, but I still, I still want to see Spain and Greece again. Cause I've only seen both of those once. I've seen the, I've seen the others a few times. Right. That's uh, fair. Yeah. But I, I would say right now would be Italy, the trip. And I want to say Spain and then Greece, honestly. And it's not, you know, it's splitting hairs on these essentially, but I, I do think, I think, I think I like Spain a little bit more than Greece. Gotcha, gotcha. I would, I, I would assume you would be like the same, except the last two would be switched. It's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. But again, like you, I would like to, to, to see them again. We were actually talking, uh, uh, someone and I about whether or not we could find a way to watch them all kind of in quick succession. Now, obviously, we've already just watched Greece, so we wouldn't make sense to want to watch it again so soon, but. With the uh, IFC Unlimited 30-day trial, it's certainly possible that we get the first three in pretty quick if we wanted to. And I would love to see them kind of in quick succession to see what you, I might notice or gain from the experience that I wouldn't get from stretching it out. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can I can see, I can hear you on that one. They used to be on Netflix. I guess they're not on Netflix anymore. Uh, well, yeah, you know how it is. I mean, everybody's just carving up the market and taking control of their own stuff. And now IFC, for some reason, has their own streaming service well it is what it is i guess but yeah oh. no I, I, it would be nice to have them easily available i mean you can't rent them and what have you but uh i will say that in regards to kind of how to follow these things up I, while i don't necessarily need another trip movie i'd be happy to see Winterbottom, coogan and bryden do something together again um, oh yeah coogan and bryden they, they still work together they just did a movie called greed that came out um earlier this year um that i i thought was fine I, I think it has its moments and it has a lot of the same crew that's in 24 hour party people and Tristram Shandy. Uh, but yeah, if they, if there's more chances to have all these guys work together to do something that, you know, has that kind of comic energy without being just a retread of the same thing. again, I, I, I don't think any of us that are fans of the trip would be, you know, not wanting something like that. Is Bryden in that one or is it? He, he's not in that one. No. Okay. So it just, it's like a winter bottom. It's winter, it's, thing. It, it's like the regular players except for Bryden basically. <laughs> for that gotcha. Movie. It is going for a different, cause it's like a, it's a satire about like the fashion industry and like refugees and people that are uh, working in third world countries and what have you. Um, 
yet it's also a comedy about a a man trying to prove his he's basically playing a a, a fictionalized version of steve coogan yet wealthier um, so. with a very big set of, of uh, teeth yes yeah yeah he has very 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 white teeth that, that he's whitened the teeth very high i'm uh, a big fan of, of of filmmakers that use the same crews like i know bergman for example he would have uh, the same batch of people that would come and do do stuff uh, well do stuff that would make the great works of art that Bergman films are. And the great story I heard recently was um, Paul Thomas Anderson through Tom Cruise got to go on the set of Eyes Wide Shut. And he saw that Kubrick just had this very small crew of people that he knew and trusted. And he asked Kubrick, he said, well, wait a minute, don't, you know, what, do you always work with so few people? And Kubrick looked at him and said, well, how many people do you need? (laughs) (laughs) But I love it when you have, kind of an artistic collective that comes together to work with a particular artist. And I, I just think it's, there can be a consistency to the work that way. Yeah. Having a, having your own kind of company of sorts or what have you, like a group Alt- of players, right? Altman or uh, like Orson Welles back in the, even before he was making movies, yeah. he had like cotton and others that were working with him that he just used in the films eventually, or Woody Allen obviously is another big yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. Um, but yeah, uh, no, so we've talked about all four trips. I've had a good time talking about this. Have you had a good time? I have. And I, if anybody can take away, you know, uh, a chance to, to go on these, these trips with these guys, uh, I think this is the perfect time to, to find something that makes you laugh. And I think this will make you laugh for sure. Um, with all that said, that's going to wrap it up for this bonus episode. Uh, Adam, where can people find more of you online? You know what? I don't really have that interesting of a, of a social media platform. I do have a Twitter. It's twitter.com slash anarchist. But overall, the only thing I would really like to plug is just stay safe out there, guys. Keep following the guidelines and, and uh, stay strong, and, and we're going to get through this. Those are encouraging words, and they're never not good to hear. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all my stuff at thecodezeek.com. That's my personal blog where everything I do ends up over there. This podcast is everywhere you can find podcasts, but on iTunes especially, because you can search for out now, there, and an and give us a rating and review. That'd be very well appreciated. And uh, feel free to comment on episodes like this um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, wherever you know you find our show and follow along with us, because you know it's fun doing these kind of special one-off episodes where we can focus on a franchise or a series or just something obscure that otherwise wouldn't get as much attention, just because it's fun to have kind of cool content like this, especially with fans of said things. Um, so yeah, all of that. Uh, thank you, Adam, for joining me on uh, this this trip through the trips. Such a pleasure to be here. I, I I am so glad that you invited me to come on to talk about these movies. And if if you guys watch them out there and you do comment on stuff, hey, let us know what you think. For sure. And um, yeah, thanks to the listeners for listening. And until next time, so long and goodbye. Emma's organized a place for us to stay on Capri. So uh, I was going to ask you if you want, you can come and stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Um, then you still have your six places to write about. Great. It's a shame not to go to Sicily, though. I was looking forward to that for obvious reasons. Well, you, you don't have to. You don't have to be in Sicily to do impressions from the Godfather. I think I'm going anywhere, but there's something about Sicily, you know. You should put rolled up bread in your cheeks to pad them out. I have a, I have a yeast intolerance. Oh. Yeah. You know when Michael went back there in the in the first Godfather, Michael mm. has to go down there, and he says to Kay, "I gotta lay low for a while." Then I come back as the family, okay, not me. Okay, Michael, la-di-da. 
Oh, is Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton didn't realize she was in The Godfather and not Annie Hall. She's going to stay with me for a while. That's okay. Who the hell are you? I, I'm, I live in the um, Manhattan. I, <laughs> I'm just laughing out of nervousness. Why are you carrying hey, lobsters you with him, Kay? What are you doing? Hey, Mikey, you want me to take this guy out? There's always the big fat guy. This, Mikey, yeah. this guy, this little guy, this Jew bothering you? I really, no, please, I, I'm allergic to death. You want me to pick him up by the neck, squeeze the neck till there's no life left in this guy and chuck him out a window? That's, you're, that's a joke, right? This is cause it's, I, I like it. It's funny. My I'm, friend doesn't make jokes. <laughs> Kay, you got to explain what it is with this guy. Oh, la-di-da, Michael. La-di-da. What is this? At what point did it become? Yeah, go one day. He went to this. bed, he said to his wife, he said, Mrs. Okay. Pacino, I'm going to sleep now. Good night, I'll see you in the morning. Good night to all the kids, all of the pets, Good everybody. Good night to the help. Good night. Good night, Al. Sleep well. He, he turns over, he wakes up in the morning. What do you got? I've got laryngitis. For the rest of my life. Uh, don't go too loud there. For the rest of my life. You see the coffee commercial he did? No. Pacino, he sits there and he says, you know, for me, coffee is a way of life. A Pacino script will always have coffee marks on it. That's how you know it's a Pacino script. And then he takes a sip really? and goes, it's good coffee. And you go, that's Al Pacino? And that's another reason why I think, well, so I did Crunchy Nut Cornflakes, you know, but he did coffee. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Two short, brooding, intense actors promoting products they genuinely love.